Let's look over in Ephesians chapter 2. I know that we have about a hundred or a little more that this is your first service that you've been to, but I haven't got time to go back and summarize everything I've said. Basically, I've been teaching on the grace of God, that that's the true gospel. And it's only when you are putting your hundred percent faith in what Jesus did for you that you see the power of God revealed. If you are linking God's power and blessings in your life to something that you do, then that's the reason that you aren't seeing the power of God. And I meet so many Christians that believe God can do anything, but they doubt that he will do it because they don't feel worthy. And this is where Satan is defeating people. It's very similar to when Peter walked on the water, the 14th chapter of the book of Matthew. As long as he looked at Jesus, the author and the finisher of his faith, he could walk on water. He could do the supernatural, but he took his eyes off of Jesus and began to look at the wind and the waves. The wind and the waves didn't have anything to do with him walking on the water. He couldn't have walked on the water if it had been a perfectly calm day. But what the wind and the waves did, it took his attention off of Jesus and had him think about what am I doing? I'm just human. And he began to relate to God based on what he did, who he was, instead of what God said to him. And the moment he did, he began to sink. And this is what happens to us. When we take our eyes off of Jesus and his love for us and what he did for us, and when we start putting the emphasis on what we must do, then you begin to sink. You miss out on the power of God. And there's just a million other examples that I could use of this. Tonight, what I want to share with you is a teaching that, um, and I'm not going to share this whole teaching with you. This whole conference is kind of like a uh, scattershot. It's just hitting some of the highlights and not going into total detail on anything. I've got a book entitled Grace and Faith, Living in the Balance of Grace and Faith that will go into much more detail on this and a whole teaching series on it. But here in Ephesians chapter 2, In verse eight, it says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. This is a familiar passage of scripture, but I'm going to try and point out some things that this was new to me. I had heard this verse. I could quote this verse and yet I didn't understand what it was talking about. And you know, when I've been emphasizing the grace of God, talking about what God does for us and that everything that God does for us is by grace. It doesn't come based on your performance. That that is an absolute truth. I'm not backing off of that any at all, but there is a balance to everything in the word of God. You know, out where I live, I live on on a place that we have uh, over a mile dirt road to get to my house. And on these dirt roads, they have ditches on each side of the road for drainage. And uh, we get a lot of snow and different things. And you know, if you start to go off the road into one ditch, the tendency is to pull the steering wheel so hard that you go the other direction and then you hit the other ditch. There's a ditch on both sides of the road. You know, if you want to arrive at your destination, it's not just avoid this ditch at all costs. You've got another ditch over here. And you've got to stay in between them. There's a balance between them. And sometimes people will hear somebody minister something. They will see somebody abuse it, such as grace. 
And they will see people that just take grace and say, oh man, this means I can go live in sin. And so what they do is go the opposite direction because I don't want any of this greasy grace over here. And what they do is hit a ditch on the other side to where it's all up to them and it's all works oriented. And then some people see the truth about faith and the things that you have to do. And uh, they see people that are just, it's all about them. They don't rest in God. They don't trust God. They, in a sense, are making God do everything. And they see that abuse. And so they go over here and get in a ditch over here. You could basically divide the body of Christ into two groups. Those who believe in the grace of God, it's just, it's not according to what I do. It's just the goodness. It's the grace of God or those over here that are preaching faith and you got to do this and this and this. And unless you do this, things won't work. You could divide the body of Christ into one of those two camps. And every person in here has a slant to one of those two things. But this verse says that you're saved by grace through faith. It's a combination of those two. You know, if you take, I'm going to say some things that may shock you, but please listen until you give me time to explain it. Amen. But hopefully this will help you. Grace, if you take it by itself, will kill you. It's poison. Faith, if you take it by itself, it will kill you. It's like sodium and chloride. Sodium is a poison. You ingest enough of it, it'll kill you. Chloride is a poison. You ingest enough of it, it'll kill you. And yet you mix them together and it makes salt and you'll die without it. And grace, if you take it to an exclusion by itself and don't understand that there are things that we need to do to build our faith and to cooperate with God, then if you take grace like that, you'll get off on a tangent and you'll get into trouble. Or faith, as much as I believe in faith, faith by itself. It says in uh, Galatians chapter five, verse six, faith works by love. If you don't understand that it's your love and your understanding of God's unconditional love, which is what grace is. If you don't understand that and you're trying to work faith without understanding God's unconditional love, then it becomes something like a pry bar that you're sticking under God and you're going to confess and you're going to do this until you make God move. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. Some of you are acting like who would ever do that? Answer this question. Don't raise your hand, but just answer it in yourself. How many of you have ever had a need, like say for a healing? And so you pray and you don't see the manifestation. So what you do is go to your prayer chain and you start getting other people to pray and you just keep, oh, everybody pray for me. And you go on the internet and you try and get thousands of people to pray. You know why? Because God won't answer your prayer for whatever reason. Maybe you're too insignificant, but if we can get a thousand people to put pressure on God, then we can make God move. You wouldn't say it in that way, but that's exactly the logic that many, many people use. Or here's another example. You pray and you don't see the manifestation. So what you do is I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray and I'm going to intercede until God grants my answer. And the logic is that I don't know why God wouldn't just answer when I pray, but when I'm miserable and when I'm about to pass out and 
I'm about to die of hunger. Even God, whatever his problem is, will have mercy on me. I believe he'll pity me if I get bad enough. And so you're trying to manipulate and move God. Boy, that is terrible thinking. Fasting doesn't impress God. Fasting has zero to do with God. Some of you are thinking, man, Matthew chapter 17, verse 21 says this kind only goes out by much prayer and fasting. I've got a teaching on this. I'm not going to teach on it right now, but it's not talking about this kind of demon or this kind of sickness. It's talking about this kind of unbelief. Fasting changes you. It gets rid of your unbelief and it focuses you on God, but fasting doesn't change God. Fasting and prayer don't make God do something more than just prayer. The truth is God's already done everything. You don't need God to do anything. It's not about God doing something. It's about you learning how to receive. So anyway, it has to be this combination. You have to understand grace, which is God's part. And then faith, which is your part. And you've got to mix these together in the proper mixture in order to receive your goal, which is salvation, healing, deliverance, prosperity, joy, peace, whatever. And so I want to try and define this and share some things that this just revolutionized my life. Because again, my background is I was Mr. Righteous. I was a religious Pharisee. I thought that I was going to make God love me and make God bless me by my holiness And then God revealed to me what a hypocrite I was and how I was self-righteous. And when I finally humbled myself and gave up ever trying to impress God with my goodness, then I experienced the goodness of God. I experienced grace. And so I knew that God's goodness and love and mercy was what made everything work. I experienced it, but I couldn't wrap my head around it because every relationship in the world operates off performance. And sad to say, 99.9% of all religion operates off performance and tells you that unless you do everything right, God won't bless you. And so I was beginning to fall back into this because I knew that I needed to study the word. There was things I needed to do. And I just couldn't understand how this grace and faith works together. Grace is God's part. Faith is my part. How does this work together? And here's some things that God told me and it just changed my life. First of all, let me define a couple of things. Grace, and this is a very brief definition. I've had people come up and say, oh, it's much more than that. And I agree, but I'm talking about just for the simplest terms to try and get my point across. Grace is unmerited, unearned favor of God. It has nothing to do with you. If it's, if it has anything to do with you, then it's not grace. Grace is something that God does independent of you without you. You have nothing zippo zilch nada to do with grace. God doesn't look at you and say, Oh, this person is really awesome. I think I'm going to extend mercy to them because they're so good. It wouldn't be mercy if God's responding to how awesome you are. Grace is independent of you. The Bible says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. Grace and truth came by Jesus and Jesus came 2000 years ago before you or I existed. Before you and I existed, before you'd ever committed a sin, Jesus died for every sin you will ever commit and already paid for it. Before you ever got sick, Jesus bore your sickness and paid for it. 
The Lord doesn't look at you and say, oh man, they got a problem. I've got to do something. He anticipated every problem that every person in the history of the world, if the Lord was to wait another 10,000 years, every problem that will ever exist in the world, he's already anticipated it and he has met your need and, and accomplished what it takes for you to have success and victory and healing and prosperity before you ever had the problem. God never responds to your problem and say, oh, I got to fix this. He anticipated your problem and he fixed it before you ever had the need. Before you had the need, God had already created the supply. That's grace. It has nothing to do with you. It's independent of you. You weren't even born when grace came. God extended grace to you before you ever existed. How can you think that you have something to do to make God move in in your life? Grace is God's part. And God moved before you or I existed, before you or I had a problem. It has zippo, zilch, nada to do with you. And here's a, here's a great truth that everything God accomplishes in your life, he does by grace. You have nothing to do with it. The Lord didn't look at you and say, oh, I've got to provide salvation for them. He provided salvation before you were ever born 2000 years ago. Jesus has already done it. That's grace. It has nothing to do with you. It's done. But does that mean that because God's provided it, that it's working in your life? No, because you're saved by grace. That's what God does through faith. That's your part. If you don't put faith in God's grace, then it has no impact on you. The scripture says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, that Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. That means the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus has paid for the sins of the entire world. So does that mean that people are all saved and nobody's gonna go to hell and everybody has a relationship with God? No, because grace alone doesn't save you. You've got to put faith in Jesus. And if a person has never put faith in Jesus, then this salvation that was provided, the forgiveness of their sins, doesn't count towards them. They void the whole thing. It's faith activated. You've got to put faith in it before it releases its power. It says over in Titus chapter two, verse 11, that the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men, unto all men. You'll hear people today saying they have no conviction from God. They, they are atheist. They have no belief in God or nothing like that. That is an absolute lie. Romans chapter one, verse 18 through 20 says, God has revealed himself from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men so that they intuitively know The creature knows from the creator that there is a God. And it says, even his eternal power and Godhead is known. They are without excuse. There is no person that has ever breathed on this planet that does not believe that there's a God. And it's just a mind game when people say that they don't believe in God. I was in Vietnam and people said, oh, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. 
I had a guy come into one of my Bible studies and make a fool of me, ask me these hard questions that I couldn't answer. And he made me look like an idiot. And my Bible study left with the atheist. (laughs) But you know what? It wasn't 30 minutes until the atheist was back crying and saying, could you tell me how to accept Jesus? He knew in his heart that there was a God. There was lots of people claimed to be an atheist, but when the bullets got to flying and the bombs got to drop and all of these atheists were crying out, oh God, oh God. <laughs> it is not true. You can, get, you can listen to yourself. You can talk so much that you get to believe in your own lies. But you put a gun to a person's head and they'll say, God, oh my God. They know that there's a God. People don't swear by Buddha or Krishna or Hari Lam because there's no power in that name. You know why they use God's name in vain and stuff is because it's power in it. Anyway, I could preach on that for a long time, but everybody knows that there is a God in their heart. The grace that brings salvation has appeared unto every person. People say, what about the people that have never heard about the Lord? God has revealed it unto them. They may not have the same knowledge. They may not know that his name was Jesus, but God revealed himself to every person on this planet and they know better. There's a few of you shaking your head, but you know, there's a lot of Christians that have bought into this thing that, well, how could a loving God uh, send anybody to hell that has never heard his name? Every person that has ever breathed on this planet has had God reveal himself unto them. It's absolutely true. I had a woman that I ministered to this business and this business owner had about 30 employees and he told him the clock's running. Listen to this guy as long as he wants to talk. And I ministered to him and saw a lot of them born again. And I do that every year when I go to Charlotte. And anyway, this uh, one time I came out and a woman, an oriental woman was sitting there and she was a receptionist. And I got to talk to her and I said, you weren't back there with the rest of the staff. Where were you? And she says, oh, I'm the new person. And they had me answer the phones while everybody else was back there. And she said, who are you? And I said, well, I'm a minister. And she got really excited. And she says, for who? And I said, well, for Jesus. And she says, you're the one. And I said, what? And she says, I'm a Buddhist. And she said, last night I was going through all of my stuff and I was worshiping Buddha and going through my ritual. And she says, I knew in my heart that this isn't real. I knew there had to be something more than Buddha and these rituals. And she just cried out and she says, God, I know you exist, but I don't know who you are. Would you tell me who you are? And she said that there was this ball of light that came in front of her and just pulsated and moved around. And she knew that this was God. And she said, who are you? And she just knew in her heart, the Lord spoke to her and says, tomorrow, I'm going to send you a man who will tell you who I am. And, And so she said, you're the one. I said, I'm the one. Amen. And I got to lead that woman to the Lord and into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But see, she knew in her heart that that stuff wasn't real. These people that are bowing over five times a day to Mecca and going through this, they know that that stuff's not real. They can sit there. They've heard it so many times. Romans chapter one talks about you can deaden your heart to this. First uh, Timothy chapter four says you can sear your conscience with a hot iron. And if you believe a lie long enough, you can get to where you really believe it. 
but you put a gun to their head, they get into trouble and every one of them will cry out to God. They know that there's a God. This scripture says that the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men. There is zero exception. And if all it took was grace to get a person saved, then every person would be saved because the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto every person that has ever breathed on this planet. Some of you may disagree with that and you're entitled to your opinion, but I won't agree with you or we'd both be wrong. I'm telling you, this is what the Bible says. And I believe the Bible more than I believe the lies and the deceptions that people tell themselves. Every person knows at their heart level that there's a God. And that's the reason that they don't like to be still. That's the reason they don't like to just sit. They talk about being bored. And what it is, there's a little homing device on the inside of every person that God ever created. And if you get still and just go to thinking, that thing goes to going off and saying, is this all there is to life? Isn't there something more? And people get uncomfortable with that thinking, you mean I'm missing something and they don't know what it is. And rather than sit there and face the facts, they just, I've got to have something going. They got to have noise going. They got to be out doing something. They got to drown this still small voice out with something else. But there isn't a person in this room that doesn't know at your heart level in your knower that there is a God. God has revealed himself to you. You may not have clarity about it, but you're getting clarity right now as I speak these truths from God's word. And the truth is the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to every person who's ever lived on the planet. But not every person is saved because not everybody mixes faith with it. Again, most people just kind of push it aside and this doesn't fit into their lifestyle. And they're afraid that they'll have to give up something. They're afraid that their desires and their plans won't come to pass. And so they just deaden themselves and they drowned it out with the noise of this world. But God is speaking. And the scripture says, Psalms 46, 10, be still and know that I am God. You know, I was walking in Washington, DC. This is back 2004. I believe it was the same time that president Reagan died and they had his motorcade and I was here during that. And I was walking on the mall in Washington and you know, some of that is gravel. And I was walking along and I knew that I should be making noise walking on that gravel, but I couldn't hear a single step. And I thought how strange this was. And I actually listened and I couldn't hear anything. And I thought that's strange. And I didn't understand what it was. And then we left that same day that Reagan was in state here in the uh, White House and we went to Shenandoah National Park. And the next day I went walking on the Appalachian Trail and every time I took a step, it was like thunder. It was so loud, like wow, you could just hear it in the stillness and in the quiet. And it just dawned on me that, you know what? There was so much ambient noise in Washington. There, all of the traffic noise and all of the people, and there was just so much noise that I couldn't hear a single step I was taking. But you get out there in the quiet of the forest and you could hear every little step. Did you know that your heart is speaking to you 100%? God talks to you every minute of every day, trying to give you direction. 
but we get the noise of this world and the news and everything that we drowned ourselves with. People today, they can't go anywhere without some plug in their ear. They never have a thought. They never listen to, they never listen to their heart. They're listening to something and it drowns out the still small voice of God. But God is speaking to every single person, every minute of every day. That's not meant to condemn you. It's meant to encourage you and let you know that, man, God's trying to reach out to you, but it's just in a still small voice. First Kings chapter 19 says that. So anyway, God's grace has come unto every person, but see, most people don't respond positively to it. They drown it out. But God's grace is there. If, if grace is all it took for you to receive, every person would be saved because Jesus has paid for the sins of the whole world. And his grace, since it's not based on performance, it's unmerited, undeserved, it's the same to everybody. Every person has had the exact same amount of grace extended towards them. Every person has had every sin forgiven. Every person, God is loving you unconditionally. He doesn't love one person more than he loves another. God has healed all sickness and all disease. There aren't some people that he's healed and other people that he hasn't healed. He has healed every sickness. He bore in his body all sickness and all disease. He's taken away all of our sadness There is no sadness. There's no grief. He bore our sorrows and carried our griefs. Isaiah chapter 53, verse four. Jesus is the same towards every single person. There isn't one person in here that God has treated better than another person. His grace, since it's unmerited, undeserved, is identical for everybody. And yet every person in here is at a different level of receiving from God, not because God's grace is different, but because our faith is different. If grace is all it took, then every person would be the same, but it is grace by faith. And our faith is the variable. Did you know that Hitler had his sins paid for? He killed 6 million Jews, not counting all of the other people that died in World War II. Hitler, as far as we know, never repented. He rebelled, but God had paid for every sin that Hitler had ever committed. Some of you think, well, that's not fair. Salvation isn't fair. If we got what we deserved, every one of us would go to hell. Somebody says, well, I'm not near like Hitler. Again, if you miss heaven by an inch, you miss it by a mile. Who wants to be the best sinner that ever went to hell? All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And every one of us deserved hell just as much as Hitler. But the grace of God paid for his sins. But as far as we know, Hitler never put faith in that grace. And so he's having to answer for his sins because he rejected the payment that God made for it. So he'll have to pay for it. Technically speaking, it's not your individual sins that send anybody to hell. It's the rejection of Jesus. It's the one single sin that sends people to hell. And that's the sin of rejecting Jesus. And see, this is why some people's logic is wrong. They say, well, now how could God punish a good person who just never really put their faith in the Lord, but they were a good person. They helped people. They were kind. They were nice. How could God punish them right alongside Hitler? That's because you think it's your individual sins that send you to hell. 
Our individual sins were enough to send us to hell. They all, they made every one of us a sinner and sin was punishable by death. And so we could have gone to hell for our own individual sins. But since Jesus paid for the sins of the entire world, the only sin that's really going to send any person to hell is the sin of rejecting the greatest gift that God ever gave. It's not your individual sins. It's the rejection of Jesus that sends people to hell. And if you look at it that way, rejecting Jesus and saying, I'm a good person and I think I'm good enough. I don't need Jesus. God's going to accept me because I'm just awesome. That's the greatest sin of all. That makes homosexuality look like nothing in comparison. Thinking that you are as good as Jesus, that you can substitute for Jesus is a total, total misunderstanding of what true righteousness is. And it's an exaltation of yourself to the position of God. And there isn't a hell deep enough or an eternity long enough to punish people who just spurn Jesus and think that they don't need him. That's the worst sin that anybody could ever commit. So even though Jesus has provided for every person and his grace has come to the entire human race, you got to put faith in it in order for that grace to work. Here's another verse in uh, Romans chapter, let's see, Romans chapter five, I believe it is. Let me turn over here and read this. In Romans chapter five, verse one, it says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The only way that you'll ever really have peace, rest in your relationship with God is if you understand justification by faith, not by effort, not by works, not by your goodness, but it's by putting faith in Jesus. And then the next verse says, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You access faith by grace. The way you get what God has already provided is by faith. But now I've been talking about grace. Let me talk about faith over here and define some of these things. Most people believe faith is something you do to get something from God. You might not phrase it that way, but I can guarantee you the vast majority of people, that's how they see faith. Faith is something I do to make God move. Matter of fact, you'll even hear people say, faith moves God. Faith doesn't move God. God's not stuck. (laughs) God has anticipated every need that you'll ever have. He's already moved by grace. He's provided everything. When you come and say, oh Lord, save me. Jesus doesn't die. He died 2000 years ago, anticipating that you would be born, knowing everything you would ever do. And he already dealt with your sins and paid for it. And before you ever came to a place where you called on the Lord for salvation, he had already provided it. God did not move when you said, oh Lord, save me. You were already saved. And all you had to do was put faith in what Jesus had already done. Well, it's the same thing with healing. When you pray and say, oh Lord, the doctor, here's the doctor's report. Would you please heal me? 
God already knew that this was going to happen to you. He already paid for it. Your healing is already done. And he has already placed on the inside of you the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Ephesians 1.18 says that. 1.18 and 19. You already have raising from the dead power on the inside of you. But the problem is we're saying, oh God, heal me. He's already done it by grace. And instead of us accessing it by faith, And taking our authority and say, thank you, Father. I believe I'm healed and I have this power. And so now I speak it and release it with my mouth. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. Instead of us taking our authority and saying, in the name of Jesus, body, you be healed. Satan, you leave me. Cancer, you be gone. We pray and say, oh God, please heal me. A person that says that doesn't understand grace and faith. They think that God is going to respond to them. If I'll call out in faith, then God will heal me. No, God's already healed you. If you need to be healed tonight, God's not going to get off his throne and take stripes on his back and heal you. By his stripes, you were healed. First Peter 2, 24. It's already been done. He's already paid for it. The Lord doesn't heal people today. He healed people 2,000 years ago and people today access what he has already done by faith. But this is a, boy, this is a critical point. It took me 20 years to get this figured out in my brain. I'm slower than most. You don't have to be as slow as I was. But this changed my life. Faith is not something I do to move God. God is already moved by grace and provided everything. Here's my definition of faith. Faith just appropriates what God has already provided by grace. Man, that is awesome. I don't know if you got that, but that is one powerful statement. Faith only appropriates what God has already provided by grace. If God hasn't already done it, Your faith can't make him do it. Look at this passage of scripture over in Mark chapter 11, verse 23. This is the passage that Kenneth Hagin wrote. (laughs) Mark chapter 11, verse 23. It says, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. And shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. And then in verse 24, therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. Don't believe when you see it. When the doctor says you're healed. Oh, I was healed. No, you got to believe when you pray. Not when you feel it. Not when the doctor confirms it. Not when the banker says you're free. You got to believe when you pray and then you shall, future tense, have it. This says whatsoever. Did you know in the Greek, whatsoever means whatsoever. (laughs) It means anything. And some people have taken this and they just claim all kinds of stuff. They say, man, I like that woman. I thank God I'm claiming her. That's not what this is talking about. There was actually a woman in Arlington, Texas, where I grew up that started a Bible school back in the early days of the charismatic move. 
And you know, back in those days, there weren't charismatic churches, spirit-filled churches. There was no, there was nobody in leadership. You had people leading the body of Christ who had been saved for a year or baptized in the Holy Spirit for a year, and they didn't know which end was up. And so because of it, there was just anything went. And anyway, this woman started a Bible school and she based it on this scripture. She claimed Kenneth Copeland as her husband because it says whatsoever you desire. She desired Kenneth Copeland to be her husband. So she stood on this verse and said, in the name of Jesus, I claim Kenneth Copeland as my husband. And the way that she dealt with Gloria Copeland, Kenneth's wife, was to say death and life are in the power of the tongue. And she cursed Gloria and commanded Gloria to die. She had a wedding service where she actually wore a wedding dress and married Kenneth Copeland in the spirit. He wasn't there physically, but in the spirit, she married him and had a wedding service, cursed Gloria, commanded her to die and just waited on Gloria to die so that she could marry Kenneth Copeland. Now, see, I see some of you shaking your head. No, why not? Didn't this say whatsoever? Isn't that a whatsoever? Why can't you do it? Here's the answer. Because God did not provide adultery and murder for you by grace. Faith doesn't make God do anything. Faith only reaches out and appropriates what has already been provided. And Jesus did not provide adultery and murder for you in his atonement. So you can't make it happen. You can't take this verse and say, in the name of Jesus, I commit the perfect bank robbery. I'm going to steal a million dollars and I will not be caught in the name of Jesus because I confess it with my mouth and believe it in my heart. God didn't provide thievery for you in the atonement. Faith can't make God do anything. You can't take your faith and say, in the name of Jesus, I'm winning the lottery. God's given me the secret combination. God won't fix the lottery. That's against the law. The Bible teaches against wealth gotten by vanity. If you're buying a lottery ticket, you are wasting your money. God will never help you win the lottery. And I know some of you are disappointed, but it's true. Well, somebody's going to win. Yeah. One out of 450 million. If you want to play those odds, mercy, you ought to be giving in the offering and get a guaranteed hundredfold return instead of taking your chances. But see, there's people that try and use faith to say, well, I'm claiming this person. I want them. I'm claiming this job. Did God provide that for you in his atonement? Is that his will for you? You can't make God do anything. God has anticipated everything good for you. He's not going to help you go out and find the perfect prostitute for the evening. He's not going to help you win the lottery. He's not going to help you lie and steal. He's not going to help you do anything wrong. But if it was provided by grace, then faith just reaches out and appropriates what God has already provided. And if you can understand what I'm saying, this totally changes everything. Because now instead of me having the burden of, oh, I've got to make God move. I need this really badly. 
So now I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get the prayer chain together. I'm going to go to Andrew Womack's meeting and have him wave his hand over me. And I'm going to do something and make God move. Boy, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people right here in this room that that's exactly the way you think. You are saying, what do I have to do to make God move? That statement shows you don't understand the true gospel. It shows you don't understand grace. You think that God has yet to supply what it is that you need. But the truth is God by grace anticipated everything that you will ever need. See, this is how I relate to this need that I have of this campus. I could spend a lot of time on this, but you know, it wasn't my desire. This isn't something I dreamed up and am trying to get God to do. I, I didn't even want a Bible school and God told me to start it. And it's just blessed. And we now have like 2000 people in the system and it's going to grow to where we have thousands and thousands and God is doing it. We had to do something. So we were looking at buying property. It was $19 million or no, $90 million to buy. Uh, I got this wrong. What was it? 20 million to buy 90 acres out so far outside of Colorado Springs. They didn't have utilities out there. It was undesirable. It was just, it was a flat piece of ground with nothing on it. It was way, way, way outside the city limits. 20 million to buy 90 acres or get this beautiful piece of property inside the city limits, 157 acres with a $3 million lodge on it for $4 million. So what do you do? (laughs) Somebody asked Jamie, says, do you think that was God? She says, we'd have had to backslid on God to keep from doing it. Why would we spend $20 million, five times as much for something that didn't have one hundredth as much potential for, for 90 acres versus 157 acres, beautiful property and all this stuff. You know what? It was a no brainer. And so we just did it. And God has pushed us in this direction. And it's like, this is what God wants. And because of it, I don't have to, oh, God moving. Oh, God, I need at least $30 million. And would you please do something? I've never prayed about it. I've prayed and asked God for wisdom. All right. I know you've already provided it by grace. I know that this is your will. So how is it that we're going to do this? And I ask God for wisdom. And if there's something he wants me to do, I'm praying and I'm listening. But I hadn't begged God. I don't have to get God to move. God knew what I was going to be doing. He's the one that planned this. And I just am resting in him. And it takes all of the struggle out. I don't have the burden of my shoulders of trying to get God to move. God is the one that started this thing and I'm just going along for the ride. I feel kind of like being on a roller coaster. You've crested that first hill and I've just strapped in and holding on for dear life. Amen. (laughs) God is just doing awesome things. You can get to a place to where you don't feel the burden of producing healing. Jesus bore your burden. Jesus suffered. If you've got pain in your body, Jesus suffered every bit of pain that you suffered. There is zero reason that both of you ought to suffer. If Jesus suffered your pain, why are you suffering it? Because you don't know, fully believe that he's already done it and you're trying to get him to heal you. 
And every time I teach on something like this, people come up and say, I I, kind of see what you're saying, but my body still hurts. It's obvious that I'm not healed. That isn't so. You have this healing power of God in your spirit and you access this anointing by faith. Faith isn't something you do to make God move. The moment you think that I've got to do this, I've got to study and pray and fast. And if I'll do this, then I know God's going to do that. You aren't in faith. You're in works. You're in legalism. You are trying to force God to do something. And that is a slap in the face of Jesus. That's like saying, Jesus, you aren't enough. What you did wasn't enough to get it for me. I've got to do something to make God move, to make God get on my side. I know you wouldn't say it that way, but that is absolutely what you're doing. You're saying Jesus wasn't enough. I've also got to force God. I've got to motivate God. God doesn't need motivating. God loves you more than you could ever understand. He, he is not like this with his arms folded saying, pray a little harder. Get a thousand people to beg me and maybe I'll move. (laughs) That's what revival, prayer for revival is all about that. People see God as an angry God that's about to judge this nation. That's not so. God judged Jesus. If God judges America, he'll have to apologize to Jesus. Does that mean that America's safe? No, we're in the process of destroying ourselves. We're turning away from God. We are just loosing the devil on things. And unless something, I mean, you can just look at it in the natural. The debt that we have, it is unsustainable. You can't do this. We are a train wreck waiting to happen. The immorality that we have and on and on and on. This nation is in the process of imploding. Am I saying that we're safe because God's not going to judge us? No. God has, God loves us. God doesn't want to see the destruction of America. It's not God that caused the 9-11 terrorist attack. God didn't do this. If God was going to judge America, he wouldn't have stopped with the Pentagon. He wouldn't have stopped with Hurricane Katrina hitting New Orleans. He'd have come right on up through the rest of this country. God's not judging this nation, but we are in the process of destroying ourselves. We do need a revival. We do need to repent. We need to change, but that doesn't change God. God by grace has a good plan for this nation, but it has to be accessed by faith. And this nation is not operating in faith. They are systematically telling God, we don't want you. We don't want God in our life. And so what are the Christians doing? Oh God, repent. Oh God, turn. Oh God, send revival as if it's up to God. God has already got revival plan for America, but the the problem is it's inside of you. Revival doesn't come by God just all of a sudden touching people and everything changes. You're the one that has revival on the inside of you. You go out and raise a few people from the dead and you'll have all the revival you can handle. You start standing up for righteousness in the place where you work. And when they speak bad, counter it with saying, but God, and tell them about God. And there'll be a revival or a riot, one of the two, (laughs) but there won't be indifference. We're asking God to do what he told us to do. He says, these signs will follow you. You go out and do something. Start laying hands on people and they shall recover. 
But we want to get in our prayer closet and oh God, heal people. And then when they get healed, I prayed for that. No, you got to believe that God has already done it. He put this power on the inside of you. And now you go out and say, in the name of Jesus, come back from the dead and the signs will follow you. See, this is what faith is. Faith isn't begging and pleading. Oh God, send revival. Oh God, pour out your spirit. Oh God, anoint me. Oh God, give me faith. You've already got faith. I've got a whole teaching on this. You've got the faith of the son of God. It's already in you. You don't need faith. You need to start believing and using the faith that you already have. This is what this whole book about you've already got it is about. God has already done everything. You don't need God to do something. What God needs is you to believe it and rest in it. Hebrews chapter four talks about there is a rest to the people of God. This isn't talking about a place where you lie down and never do anything. That's what most people think rest is. But it's like an artist when he paints a picture and he just looks at it and it's perfect. It's complete. If he adds one more brush stroke to it, he's going to ruin the whole thing. And so he puts his brush down and rest. Not because he's worn out. Not because one more brush stroke and he couldn't do it. It's like a lawyer. He says, I rest my case. That's not because the lawyer's worn out. It means he's finished. When God rested from creation, he made it so perfect. There was nothing left to do. And there is a place that you can get to where you are resting in the finished work of Christ. That you know that everything that you need has already been accomplished by God's grace and you just rest and it takes the burden off of you. It's like I was sharing about me believing for this campus. I don't feel any pressure. I'm not struggling. I don't wake up at night thinking, oh, $30 million. God, what am I going to do? I'm resting because I'm doing what God told me to do. And I believe that he's anticipated it. And you know what? There's a way he'll make it work. Some of you think, sure. You don't have faith, but you hide and watch. In the next three or four years, I will have that thing built. It will be done. And you will remember that I told you it's going to happen. And so somebody says, so how did you get God to do that? God had already done it. He anticipated this. He's the one that put me on this course and God's already got it provided. And all I got to do is follow him and he'll show me how to get there and he'll make it work. And there's no pressure on me. You don't have to force God to heal you. You don't have to force God. I've had, I had a woman come up to me one time and she says, I've been praying for my husband for 20 years. I've done everything I know and God hasn't answered my prayer. Would you pray for him? And what she was saying was, maybe God will answer your prayers. Maybe God loves you more. And you know, when I told that woman, I said, I would never pray for your husband the way you said this. And she, she took offense. What's wrong? And I said, you're blaming God and saying it's God that hasn't answered your prayer. You're saying that God, if he wanted to, could just save your husband. And for whatever reason, he hadn't chosen to save him. So you're blaming God for your lost husband. I said, how dare you say that about God? I'm not going to enter into agreement with you. 
I said, that is totally wrong. God loves your husband more than you do. And this is the reason your prayers haven't been effective because you don't believe God loves him. And if God wouldn't touch him, God wouldn't move in his life if it wasn't for your great intercession. You are your savior. You aren't trusting a savior. You aren't praying in the name of Jesus. You're taking the name of Jesus in vain. And you're thinking that it's your goodness that's making God save your husband. And since it hadn't worked for you, you think maybe my goodness will make God save your husband. I say, that's an insult to God. God loves your husband more than you love him. I said, you need to quit praying for your husband the way you've been praying. One of the first things I tell women when they come and say, I prayed for my husband for 20 years. I say, quit praying for him. (laughs) Not because I don't believe in prayer, but I've just heard a lot of prayer. And what they're doing is griping and complaining and trying to force God to do it. They aren't praying in faith, appropriating the salvation that's already there. They are trying to manipulate God and that's releasing unbelief. It is releasing a disdain for Jesus that he didn't accomplish it, that you've got to do it. The burden is on your shoulders and that stops the power of God. He will not flow through your goodness. You are not going to get the credit. And that's the very thing that keeps most people from receiving from God is their own self-righteousness and trusting in themselves. That is not the gospel. And so if you can understand what I've said tonight, here's the gospel is that by grace, independent of you and what you deserve before you ever did anything, God has anticipated everything, including the forgiveness of your sins, the healing of your body, your prosperity, your joy, your peace, anything that you'll ever need. God anticipated it. And by grace, it's a done deal. He has provided it. And now he is seated at the father's right hand. That means he's not working. He's not healing you. He's not forgiving you. He's already done it. His part is over accomplished. And if you receive from God, it's not a matter of you pleading with God and getting God to do something. It's who will believe the good news that God has already done it and reach out and appropriate what God has already provided and just start agreeing with God and rest and trust in what God has done. See, this is what happens when a person gets saved. God doesn't save them. He doesn't die for their sins. He's already done it. But they hear the good news and they come up and they say, well, man, if it's a gift, I'll accept it. Jesus, I receive your salvation. And boom, they get changed. Not because God just died for them and just forgave them. He had already forgiven them, but they just received it. And all of a sudden they pass from death unto life and you get this great miracle. That's the way that you ought to receive healing. That's the way you ought to receive prosperity. That's the way you ought to receive joy. The Bible says, Galatians 5, that the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. You've already got all of this in your spirit. You don't need God to give you joy. It says in, I believe it's first Peter chapter one, verse eight, could be second Peter one, eight, but it says that yet believing we rejoice with joy, unspeakable and full of glory. God has already given you his joy. In the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. John chapter uh, six, uh, Psalms chapter 16, verse 11. And you are constantly in the presence of the Lord in your spirit. And there is fullness of joy in your spirit. 
If you aren't happy, it's because you aren't in the spirit. You are in the flesh. You're listening to what's happening in Washington instead of what's happening on the inside of you. And, but the truth is you have love, joy, unspeakable and full of glory. And all you got to do is believe. I could guarantee you, if you could receive what I'm talking about and just start thanking God, Father, thank you that I am already forgiven. Thank you, Father, that I have passed from death unto life. Like we were singing tonight, thank you that I am one with the Lord, the creator of the universe. God has over 6 billion people on this planet who are constantly calling out to him and asking him for something and trying to get his attention. And yet God is listening to you. Obama doesn't care about me. He's not here listening to me. He doesn't know what my needs are, but the king of the universe listens to me and loves me and is watching me constantly. If you go to thinking about that and thanking him for what you have, I dare you to be depressed. You can't be depressed. You got to take your attention off of God's grace and what he's done. And instead you got to slip back into this. Oh, God's done nothing. And I've got to force him and make him do something. And you know what? That's depressing. That's discouraging. But understand that he's already done everything. And there's, I don't have to worry about what's going to happen. I don't have to care about what's going to happen. I'm not afraid of anything because God has already anticipated everything that'll ever happen in my life. He's already created the answer before I had the question. He's already supplied the need before I ever had the need. And all I got to do is rest in it. When something happens, I say, all right, father, how do you, how did you plan on me getting through this? How have you already supplied this need? And I've just got to be in tune with the Lord and he'll show me and I'll be able to deal with every single thing. You know what? If you haven't understood what I've talked about tonight, I would recommend that you come over to my point of view because this is the way to live. It's a carefree way of living. And most of you here don't know me, but if you knew where I came from and if you saw, I was an introvert that couldn't look at a person in the face and talk to them. It's true in high school, people would say hi and they'd be two blocks down the road before I'd say hi back. (laughs) I couldn't look at a person and talk to them. Now I talk to millions of people on television. At one time I was sick and didn't have anything. And now God is, I've seen my son raised from the dead. I've seen multiple people raised from the dead. At one time, Jamie and I were so poor, we couldn't pay attention. And now we have to have $2 million a month just to pay our bills. And guess what? It comes in. And we give the majority of all of our material away free. 57% of the people don't send anything. And we give it to them free. Some of you just think I'm in la-la land. It's working. Don't wake me up. Amen. Until you get better results than I'm getting, maybe you ought to listen to me. I'm telling you this works. This is a great way to live is just to live in what Jesus has already provided. 
Rest in him. You do that and I guarantee you, you'll move to the next level. But as it says in Hebrews chapter four, it says we got to labor to enter into this rest. That sounds like an oxymoron. If it's rest, why do you labor? Because to get to a place to where you just trust in God, trust in the unseen, trust the word instead of what the doctor tells you, instead of what the dentist tells you, instead of what the banker tells you or whatever, or what the people on the news tell you, you trust in this, it's going to be the hardest thing you've ever done to get to where you walk by faith and not by sight. But it's as simple as what I've described. God's already done it. But now you are going to have to labor to get to where you rest in the fact that Jesus has already provided everything. And I am not going to take the responsibility for this. I'm just resting in the Lord and trusting him. It takes some effort to do that. It takes a lot of effort. And if you do this, you aren't going to be the best at trivial pursuit. You aren't going to be able to win all the fantasy football stuff. This will take some time and effort to put your life into it, but I guarantee you this will pay off better than fantasy football or trivial pursuit. It'll benefit you a lot more, but you'll have to immerse yourself in this. You'll have to separate yourself from people who counter this. And I tell you, the vast majority of the body of Christ is dead set against everything that I've taught tonight. There are good churches. We have good pastors here. Again, I recommend that we've got a list out here of pastors that have come to these meetings and you need to check it out. You need to find good churches. I've talked to a number of pastors. There are good churches, but they're just few and far between. And I guarantee you, it's going to cost you. There is going to be religious people that'll think you've absolutely lost your mind. I've got hundreds of blogs that have been written against me that I'm the devil. And one person says I'm the most dangerous man in America and terrible things. And there's people that talk about me. If criticism would kill you, I'd be dead. But you know what? You may not win the popularity contest, but you'll get set free and you'll start seeing the power of God work in your life. Good things will happen. Amen. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. Thank you for these truths that I've talked about. Thank you, Father, for the way that these truths have just revolutionized my life. Thank you for the awesome good things that you have done through the power of your word. And Father, I share these same things with these people here today. And I believe that you're opening up their hearts so that they can believe and receive. So that, Father, they will begin to start putting faith in what you have done instead of faith in all of the things that they do. Instead of trying to get you to move. Father, I pray that they would rest in you and just receive everything that you've already provided. That they would let you be God instead of trying to take that place. Thank you, Father. I believe that the Holy Spirit is here to make these truths real. I pray that right now that the Holy Spirit is just solidifying these things in our hearts, that you're giving us revelation. We pray, John 14, 26, that the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, when he has come, will teach us all things and lead us into all truth and bring to our remembrance all things whatsoever you've said to us. 
Father, whatsoever you said through me tonight, the truths that you spoke, I believe you bring those truths back to people's remembrance and that you help people to begin to start trusting in the grace of God, to walk in the gospel of the grace of God, the nearly too good to be true news. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, I just give you thanksgiving and praise. I believe by faith this is changing people. I thank you that there will be hundreds of people leave this place. They will never be the same again because they've heard the gospel. And it's the power of God. It's going to save their souls. Father, thank you. I just praise you in advance for the awesome good things that are coming out of this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, I know that many of you have been at all three services so far and you've heard me give an invitation, but I just really feel that every person needs to know Jesus personally and needs to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Beyond that, God's will begins to become individualized and what may be right for one person, you know, God may not be leading you in the same way, but God wants every person to be born again and to be spirit filled and receive the gift of speaking in tongues. And so I always like to give an invitation for that. We've already had over 200 people come forward and receive, but there's new people here tonight. And I want to ask if there's anyone here that doesn't know Jesus for sure. If you aren't absolutely convinced of that, and if you would like to make Jesus your savior, I've explained the gospel tonight. Jesus has already paid for your sins. And now it's not a matter of, will he forgive you? He's already paid for him. The question is, will you make Jesus your Lord? Will you reach out by faith and take what God is offering you? If you've never done that, maybe you didn't feel worthy. Maybe you doubted that God would do it. How could you doubt that God would do something that he's already done? He's already paid for your sins. If you've never done that, you need to make Jesus your Lord tonight. And then once you get born again, every person who's born again needs the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I know that there's a lot of people think, well, I got the Holy Spirit when I was born again. You know, I hadn't got time to explain this, but there is a separate experience where the power of the Holy Spirit comes into your life. I can prove it from scripture and uh, you need this second experience. I got born again when I was eight, but I was 18 when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I was 21 when I spoke in tongues because I was a Baptist and I was told that was of the devil. So it took me about three years to figure this out. But boy, when I started speaking in tongues, I saw tremendous power. And I tell you, it has revolutionized my life. You cannot understand and keep what I've talked about tonight without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I can guarantee you that. If you lean under your own understanding, the scripture says, 1 Corinthians 2, 14, that the natural man cannot receive the things of the spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You have to have the Holy Spirit reveal this to you. So if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit in this gift of speaking in tongues, you absolutely need that to be able to live this Christian life. Is there anybody in here who'd say, I need one or both of those. I either need to make Jesus my Lord or I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. 
There's a lot of hands still here, even though we've had so many people respond. There's still a lot of people. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I'd like to help you to receive what God has already provided for you. So if you raised your hand or if you were supposed to raise your hand, but didn't do it, would you just get up out of your seat and come forward? And we want to pray with you right now and help you to receive. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Man, let's praise God for these. This is going to change your life. Praise God, brother. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't this exciting? Thank you, Father. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Man, the people are excited about you coming forward. Isn't that good? You know why they're clapping? It's because they've received the Holy Spirit. They know what's going to happen to you. It's going to change your life. Praise God. You're never going to be the same again. You're going to be transformed. You know, it's just like what I talked about tonight. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this is going to change your life. But you're going to have to just believe it by faith. When I first received the Holy Spirit, I knew something happened. I knew I'd never be the same again, but I didn't fully understand it. It took me years and years and years before I began to understand because I didn't have anybody to teach me. I was in a denomination that taught that receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues was of the devil. And all I got was criticism and discouragement. And it took me a while. But I've written everything that the Lord has shown me about this in a book. And I'm going to share it with you. And I promise you, it's going to help you to receive. Before I can pray with you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you first have to be born again. You have to make Jesus your personal Lord. The Bible says he is the one who gives the Holy Spirit. So you have to receive the giver before you receive the gift. Is there anybody who's not absolutely certain about whether or not you've been born again and whether you've made Jesus your personal Lord? If you aren't, we need to pray with you first and make sure that you're born again. Is there anybody who says, I'm not sure? Anybody? Here's one lady down here. This is your friend encouraged you to do it. Is she the one that's wanting you to do it or are you wanting to do it? You're wanting to do it. Amen. That's great. Here's another one right here. Here's another one. Here's another one down here. Praise the Lord. Isn't this great? For all the rest of you absolutely certain that Jesus lives in your heart and that you've been born again. Well, you need to, you need to be certain. So would you pray with us too? Because you need to be certain. You can make sure right now. Anybody else? This is important. You can't get the Holy Spirit until you first of all receive Jesus. So you can't bypass this step. If we just prayed for you to receive the Holy Spirit, you won't receive it because you have to receive Jesus first. Anybody else? All right, what I'm going to do, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. 
And this prayer will say what you need to say. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. He's already done it. It's like I taught tonight. Grace has already provided it. And all you got to do is by faith, reach out and say, I'm receiving it. I make you my Lord. I receive this salvation. And if you'll do that, you have the promise of God's word that you'll be born again. Is that a good deal? That's awesome, isn't it? Amen. So I'm going to ask everybody to pray this with me so that they won't feel like we're just listening to them. And if you will say this with your mouth and believe it in your heart, that's the key. It's not magic. You got to believe it. But if you will believe it, then the Bible says you'll become a brand new person and God himself will come live on the inside of you. What a deal. Praise God. Let's say this. Say, Father, I'm sorry for my sin. I believe Jesus died to forgive my sin. And I receive that forgiveness. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I believe that you are alive. That you now live in me. I am saved. I am forgiven. Right now. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You believe that? You believe that? Do you believe you're saved? Awesome. Welcome to the family, brother. (laughs) You know, I can tell you're still wondering. But you know what? The Bible said that if you confess Jesus as your Lord and believe in your heart, that you shall be saved. Do you believe God lies? Well, he said that that's what he'd do. So are you saved? Yes, sir. Because he promised you. And that's the way you deal with it. You don't go by how you feel. What does being saved feel like? You can't go by how you feel. You, go, you trust his word. He said, if you confessed him as your Lord, that you would be saved. And if you ever doubt that, well, am I saved? Then you're doubting that God's word is true. You think that God lied to you. That'll never happen. And so you know what? If God promised you, then from this time forth, don't you ever doubt it again. That would be an insult against God. Okay? Isn't that good? Welcome to the family, brother. Welcome to all of you that pray. So now, according to the Bible, all of us have made Jesus our Lord. And that means that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The reason that's important is because this is what he created you to be. He created you to house his Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit could live on the inside of you. This means that we don't have to beg God to give us the Holy Spirit. He created you for this. This is what he wants. And like I was teaching tonight, it's not based on whether you're good enough. Some people think that if you have any sin in your life, God won't give you the Holy Spirit. If you could get holy without the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't need the Holy Spirit. The very fact that you have problems in your life makes you a prime candidate. God's wanting to give you his power so that you can start living victoriously over all of these things. So don't let any sense of unworthiness stop you. It's not based on what you do. It's grace. And so we're just going to ask one time, we aren't going to beg. And then I'm going to ask our prayer ministers, if they would, to come up here. And these people are going to stand behind you 
And after we ask for the power of the Holy Spirit, they are going to lay hands on you. Because in the Bible, it says that the disciples laid hands on people and the Holy Spirit came upon them. So you can actually transmit or release the power of the Holy Spirit by laying on of hands. So we're going to ask, they're going to lay hands on you. And then I want you to believe that God did what he said he would do. Don't ask him anymore. There's a time to ask and there's a time to believe. And so we're going to ask, they're going to lay hands on you. And then I want you to start thanking him. And, And after they lay hands on you, and when we do this, I want you to put your hands in the air like this and start thanking him because it's like when somebody sticks a gun in your back and you go, I surrender, I yield. This is your way of yielding. The Bible says you bless the Lord when you do this. It blesses him. It pleases him. So we're going to ask, they're going to lay hands on you. You're going to lift your hands and start thanking God that his word's true and that he gave you the Holy Spirit. And then those of us that know how to pray in tongues are going to start praying in tongues and worshiping God. Because the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 14, 17, that when you pray in tongues, you're giving thanks. Well, you're praising God in a heavenly language. So we're going to start thanking him in this gift of tongues. And I want you to quit thanking him in English and start thanking him in tongues and just speaking in a language that you don't know. And I know some of you think, well, I don't know how to do it. What do I do? I've got a book that will explain it. But if you're ready, you can pray in tongues right now. The number one problem that I experienced and that other people have is they wait on the Holy Spirit to make you speak in tongues. It's not like that. He doesn't take your mouth and make it move. You know, my wife doesn't like me to use this illustration, but it really communicates what I'm trying to say. I used to think it was like when you throw up, you just can't stop it. It's just bleh. It's there. That's not the way speaking in tongues is. You can start and stop it. It's you speaking. Acts 2, 4 says, they spoke with tongues as the spirit gave them the utterance. It's you speaking. It's just like when I spoke tonight. I believe God spoke through me, but he didn't force me to say what I said. I had to speak. I made sounds. That's the reason it came out in my personality with my sense of humor, but it was God inspiring it. You're the one that speaks in tongues. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak in tongues. You start making sounds and the Holy Spirit inspires them. And as soon as you get over the strangeness of it and the weirdness of it, you'll find out that you're, it edifies you and you're talking to God and pretty soon it'll just be flowing out of you and you'll know it's not really you. It's you speaking, but it's the Holy Spirit inspiring it. And it takes a little bit of time, but anyway, I'll give you more instruction on it. But if you're ready, you can speak in tongues right now. Isn't that good? That's a question. Isn't that good? Wouldn't this be awesome to have the Holy Spirit help you bypass your brain and the doubt and the confusion and just talk out of your spirit that is in union with God without any unbelief, no hindrance. Man, this is powerful. So everybody agree on what we're going to do? Father, I just thank you for all of these. According to the word of God, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You created us to fill with your Holy Spirit. You want this more than we do. So we don't beg. We just open up the doors, believing that this is already what you've provided. And we welcome you now. 
Holy Spirit, we welcome you to come into our life. We want your power. We want this gift of speaking in tongues, the ability to bypass our brain and pray right out of the born again part of us. We welcome it. We desire it. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Now we lay hands on you and we say, receive the Holy Spirit. We loose this anointing of the Holy Spirit to come into your body right now to fill this temple. Holy Spirit, release your power. We loose it now with our words by laying hands on them. And we loose this anointing power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you right now. Now let's lift your hands. Start thanking God. Talk out loud. Thank God for giving you the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, that your word is true and that I am God-possessed. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, that now I have gifts of the Holy Spirit, power of the Holy Spirit flowing in my life. Thank you that I can do all things through Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Those of you that know how to pray in tongues, let's begin to worship God and pray in tongues right now. And as we pray in tongues, you can switch from thanking Him in English to thanking Him in tongues. The Holy Spirit will give you the ability to talk outside of your brain and talk straight from your heart. Power is flowing out of you. Demons are leaving in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Satan's power is broken over you right now in Jesus' name. Father, we loose this power and anointing to flow through all of these. Boy, there's a powerful anointing flowing. Some of you are being delivered. You're being delivered right now of all kinds of things. (laughs) Brother, I don't know everything that's happening, but you'll never smoke again. It's broken in the name of Jesus. That's over. You're delivered of that. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we set, we thank you that you are setting people free right now in the name of Jesus. You got to open your mouth to talk in tongues. You can't talk in tongues with your mouth closed. Some of you are waiting on the Holy Spirit to make you talk. If you don't know what to say, you can try and say what you hear a person behind you saying, but your tongue will be different than theirs. You can't speak in another person's tongue. Yours will be unique to you, but you got to start. So start trying to say what you hear somebody else say. It'll come out different and don't quit. Just keep talking. It'll just flow out of you. That's it. Just speak. And there's the power of God flowing out of you. Don't worry about what it sounds like. Sometimes people listen to themselves and think, is this really a language or is this just me? There are actual known languages that are nothing but clicks of the tongue or whistles. It's like when a baby first talks. It may not sound like a real language, but the father knows what that baby's trying to say. God's listening to your heart. God's pleased with what you're saying. And when you get over the newness of it, you'll find out it just flows out of you. It's the power of God. Thank you, Jesus. Man, most of these, it looks like, are speaking in tongues. Isn't that awesome? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. 
Praise the Lord. Let me have your attention here for just a minute. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I know some of you are just, you know, the Bible says when you speak in tongues, you edify yourself. That means you build yourself up. You encourage yourself. It's really powerful. And there's a lot of things that the scripture has to say about this, but you need to understand what happened. And I promise you what's happened to you is more important than any person up here understands. You've got to learn what the word says to get the full benefit of this. And if you don't, well, then you'll wonder about, was that just me or was that the Holy Spirit? I've got a book that I've written all of these things down. It'll help you. If you didn't speak in tongues, I believe God was still faithful and gave it to you. I believe you have the gift right now. I'm not speaking in tongues, but I have the gift. You, you aren't forced to speak in tongues and some of you just don't understand. And anyway, I've written all of the things that were a hindrance to me speaking in tongues. And I promise you there's been thousands of people read this book and then start speaking in tongues and, and learn about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So this book will help you. I want to give it to you. You need to get the full benefit. We want this to have maximum impact in your life. So if you would, please, we've got Ashley right here the one standing up with his Bible, he's going to take you right around the corner into that room and give you a free book. Amen. And if you have any questions, they'll help you. So would you just follow him? It'll just take a moment, but we want every one of you to get these books and to get the full benefit of what's going on. Isn't this awesome? Let's praise God for all of these. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't this awesome? I tell you, these prayer ministers that have been helping us are just wonderful. I'm seeing them just love on these people and do things. We got some great people here helping us. We've been seeing a lot of miracles happen. And I know that there's some people that think I'm the only one that can pray. But honestly, I do not have a gift of healing or the gift of miracles. I pray just like Joe Blow Believer. Some of these people down here have supernatural gifts that I don't have. And all of them have been taught the things that I know about prayer. We're trying to get people away from this thing of thinking that there's only certain people that have a corner on God. That is not true. You know what? Every one of you have the exact same grace towards you that I have towards me or that these people have. The difference is we've renewed our mind. And if you are needing help, if you want somebody to just agree and help you to receive, if your faith has been quickened and you just want to reach out and appropriate what is yours, we want to give you an opportunity to come and let one of these prayer ministers pray for you. They can give you more time than I can and we'll see great results. So if you'd like prayer for anything, just get up out of your seat and come forward. And we want to ask you to let one of them pray with you and expect that God has already provided. If you received what I talked about tonight, now your faith is redirected. Instead of thinking that by faith, I'm going to make God heal me. Now you are just reaching out and appropriating what God has already provided. And you can get results now that you've never had before because your faith is in what Jesus did instead of what you have done.
Isn't that great? Boy, this is awesome. So if you need prayer, come forward. The rest of you, you're welcome to stay and pray with us. We saw a lot of miracles happen last night and this morning. As they're praying, I pray and I call out healings and we've seen a lot of miracles happen. But if you need to go, you're dismissed. Remember that we'll be back tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. and also tomorrow night at 6. If you come at 7 tomorrow, you're going to miss the praise and worship. And so we start at 6 tomorrow night. Please come back one hour earlier. And praise God, that'll be our final service. Thanks for coming. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Father, I just thank you for all of these people. I know that you have already anticipated every problem that they have. Before they ever got sick, you already had healed them. Whatever it is that they need, it's already been provided. So we just reach out and agree with them and release what has already been provided by grace. We release the anointing of Jesus to flow through these bodies and we command bodies to be healed. Somebody's got a broken bone that's being healed right now. I don't know if you didn't get it set or maybe this is an old break that wasn't mended properly or something, but the Lord just spoke to me that broken bones are being healed right now. Who's that that's got a broken bone? I want you to stand and raise your hand so I can see who it is right there. Anybody else? A broken bone back here in the back. Here's another one. Anybody else? If this is you, I want you to stand and raise your hand. Here's another lady back here. Thank you, Jesus. Here's another one. Father, I just thank you. I believe that that's your word that you gave me and that you are healing these broken bones. Right now, if a broken bone mended incorrectly, I command that to be healed now. Straighten up. Be healed. Become soft and pliable and go back to being normal. Father, we just receive a miracle. Father, I release your power and thank you for broken bones being healed and whatever damage or inconvenience that causes to the people, we release your power and believe that, Father, they recover from this time on. Thank you, Jesus. I believe God's healing you. I believe a miracle's taking place. I don't even know how he does that, but he'll come by it honest. It'll work. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Well, the Lord's speaking to me that people with bunions, corns on your feet, also planters, uh, warts are warts that cause pain on your feet. God's healing them of bunions, corns, warts on your feet. If that's you, I want you to stand, raise your hand. Here's the healing power of God coming towards you. I release this anointing right now. And I command these bunions, bones, you go back to being normal. You be normal in the name of Jesus. I rebuke bunions. I rebuke corns. I rebuke problems, pain in the feet, neuropathy. I command it to stop now in the name of Jesus. Pain you leave. Some of you had problems standing. Right now, you stand. You step on your feet. Stomp your feet. The healing power of God's flowing. That pain's gone out of you now. 
in the name of Jesus. You go check your feet, some of you, you're going to have your feet reshaping. Those bunions are gone. Corns are gone. Warts are gone in the name of Jesus. Father, we just release this power and I believe that you are healing people right now, that you've already provided this and we release it now with our words and loose what you have already provided to come into physical manifestation in the mighty name of Jesus. Praise God. That's awesome. I had a woman come one time and she had to get a totally different size shoe because she had such big bunions. And overnight when she woke up in the morning, her shoes wouldn't fit. Her feet had totally changed shape. Those bunions were gone. I believe God's doing that for you. I believe that God's fixing you up. Healed in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Father, we just praise you. We receive this in Jesus' name. Somebody's got a tingling in your skin. You got some kind of like a rash or tingling or something. You just feel this. Here's some people right here. Anybody else, if that's you, I want you to stand and raise your hand. Here's the anointing of God ministering healing to you. I command this tingling, this sensation to leave for your flesh to go back to normal. Nerves, you be healed now in the name of Jesus. Whatever it is that causes this problem, be healed. Satan, loose them and let them go. I loose what Jesus has already provided and we rest in it. We believe that it's a done deal. Right now, this goes. Flesh, you be normal. Tingling, you be gone now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Who in here already has felt the difference? You can feel that it's gone. Anybody in here? If that's you, I want you to wave at me. Here's a number of people right here. Praise God. Bunches of people. You know what? That's true for every one of you. You just now need to rest in it and say, Father, I know it's done. I've got it. It's mine. I'm not living like this. You have healed me. Praise God. Just praise him for it and it'll come to pass. Thank you, Jesus. Believe that you receive when you pray and the scripture says you shall have it. Believe now and then future tense, you shall have it. You will see the physical manifestation. Thank you, Father. We just agree and we receive this. Boy, the Lord's healing a lot of people of gum problems. You've had some kind of a gum disease or something that's affecting you. If that's you, I want you to stand. Raise your hand. Here's the healing power of God flowing. I command these gums to be healed. Disease, infection, you leave them. Get off of their body now in the name of Jesus. We release what Jesus has already provided for them. We release this healing and gums, you're healed. By the stripes of Jesus, you are already healed. We loose that healing power to flow in your body. Command pain to be gone. Command teeth to stay. These gums to come back, receding gums. Father, I thank you that those gums grow back. We just thank you that right now the healing power of Jesus is in their mouth and that they're healed. And from this time forth, they recover. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all agree and receive that? I believe Jesus has already provided it. It's now coming to pass in your body. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Father, we receive these miracles. Somebody here has got a swollen tongue. I have no idea what causes a swollen tongue. But somebody here has got a swollen tongue. And you need to be set free from that. Who's that? If that's you, I want you to stand and raise your hand so I can see who you are. I know I got the right meeting. Where are you? Thank you, Jesus. This lady right here. So what's wrong? Is your tongue swollen? Come up here and tell me what's happening since there's just one of you. You have a what? A rush? I don't know what that is. But anyway, your tongue is swollen. You ready for a miracle? Let Larry lay hands on you right here. Father, in Jesus' name, we just command whatever it is that caused her tongue to swell, this rush to be gone now in the name of Jesus. We curse you and command you to leave her and believe that her tongue is going back to normal. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Right there is the anointing of the Lord flowing in your body. And you know what? This is more important than what you realize. It may be an inconvenience now, but if you'd have let it go, it would have become a real problem. God has saved you from a major problem. Isn't that great? I believe you're healed. You receive that? Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. You know, sometimes people are a little slow to respond, but I just know when God's speaking to me, I called out in one meeting that somebody had had something hit them in the chest and that they had damage from that. And nobody responded. I called it out three or four times. Nobody responded. And finally, I said, look, I know you're here. And this woman said, well, you know, when I was a kid, a horse kicked me in the chest and broke her chest. And because of it, it ne- she never had her uh, chest grow to a normal size. She had a restricted lung capacity and she couldn't run and do things. And she said, but that was 30 years ago. I'm over it. And she says, do you think that could be me? And I said, well, something hit you in the chest. That sounds like a very accurate word. And you know, I prayed for her. And by the end of that service, she was able to run and do things she had never done before. I don't know why people sometimes are so slow to receive this. Some people say, well, I'm not sure if it's me. If what I call out is you, if you got it, then it's you. Amen. Real simple. And it can be more than one person that receives something from God. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we agree. We receive that. Somebody here has got these glands. I don't know what this is, but the glands right here in your jaw, right under your jaw. Is this you? Has problems with these glands? Well, I just agree. And right here, we release this anointing 
and command these glands to receive. You know, you got something like cancer or something in these glands, some type of infection or something. In the name of Jesus, that stuff leaves you and we loose the anointing of God. I agree with Pastor Bobby Ray and we release that healing power to flow in your body. Thank you, Jesus. We agree and receive these miracles right now in Jesus' name. Praise God. A lot of miracles happening. Lots of miracles. You know, when you teach like what I was teaching and people begin to realize that, man, it's already done. All I got to do is receive. All of a sudden you start seeing more of what God is doing. And it's not because God all of a sudden came alive. It's because what he had already provided for people, they now start receiving and they let God's power flow in their life. There's a lot of miracles happening right now. A lot of people being set free. I want to ask if you have any need in your body, if there's anything that you need, I just want you to take a step of faith, stand, raise your hand so I can see that you're receiving. I'm going to lead you in a prayer of receiving. And I believe God's going to do miracles in here far beyond what I can call out. You just believe God right now that he's touching you. Father, we believe that by your grace, you've already done it. You've healed every sickness, every disease, deformity. Some of you are dealing with things that you had from birth. Some of you are dealing with genetic things. Everything is already covered. We believe that you've already supplied it. And so now we stand and receive what you have already provided by grace. We reach out and with our faith, we say it is now ours. We take the authority that you gave us and we speak death to sickness, death to disease, death to heart problems, death to genetic problems. We curse these things. Satan, you loose us and let us go. We have received the grace of God. And Father, we now release your anointing with our words and say, body, you're healed. Pain, you leave. Deformities you leave, tumors you leave. Get off of our bodies now in the name of Jesus. Get out of our mind. We command fear and worry to be gone. We break curses and things that have been spoken over us. And we believe that we are healed now in the mighty name of Jesus. We just thank you, Father, that right now your supernatural power that was already provided is now flowing in us and we are receiving what you have purchased. We loose this life that's in our spirit out into our physical body and thank you, Father, for our health. Thank you for wholeness. Thank you that strength is coming into us. Some of you were letting old age stop you and you were accepting things. Right now, it's gone. Moses was 120 years old and his eye was not dim or his natural force abated. You don't have to have poor eyesight or lose your strength. Father, we just receive your health. Thank you for renewing our strength, our youth like the eagles. Thank you, Father, for just strength, vitality coming into us. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody who was believing for a child and was not able to conceive. You have to be married to get this. 
but somebody who is married and is believing for a child now, whatever's wrong is fixed. And I believe you're going to be able to conceive. You still got a part to play. Faith without works is dead. So you do your part and you're going to conceive. Amen. And you're going to have a child in the name of Jesus. Father, we just thank you for miraculous things happening. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. I believe every one of you received. God's already provided it. It's just a matter of us receiving. Father, we receive. Let's praise God like you believe you've been healed. Amen. Father, we thank you that it is done. By the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for healing us. Thank you, Jesus, that you healed every single one. You've already done it. Thank you that everyone receives. Hallelujah. We agree and we receive it in the mighty name of Jesus. Praise God. Y'all believe that? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, it's been a good night. I believe that people have been set free. And the most important thing, I believe that you're getting hold of the grace of God, the true gospel. And you know what? That'll go home with you. I can't go home with you, but the grace of God will be the same. And man, this will change your life. I believe you'll never be the same again. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. You're dismissed. Don't forget to get the CDs and DVDs of tonight's service. Be back tomorrow at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. Praise the Lord.